Our text for this morning is all of this psalm. So let me read it to us now. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Will you pray with me? Father, as we open your word, refresh our souls and give us comfort and strength and hope and gospel courage and bring glory to your name. Lord, you know we are living in a world where things are not as normal right now. There is fear among so many And the fear of many is impacting the lives of many and the disease that surround the world is impacting the lives of many. And we would simply ask you, God, to remind us that you are sovereign, that you are king, that you are God, that you are good. And God, we pray that you be mightily glorified. Work in your word in us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. I love the Psalms, and I hope you do too. These ancient songs are real, and they're human, and they're helpful. The Psalms are honest about our fears and our struggles and our weaknesses and our frailties. They're honest about our hopes and our joys. And this Psalm we just read says, God is our refuge. God is where we run when we're in pain. God is where we shelter when we're afraid. God is able to give our souls joy and strength. No matter what's happening in the world around us, and I think we can agree, this is good news for today. God is there to be our refuge. If you're one of those people that takes notes, and hey, if you're home, you've probably got something to write on now. I'm going to give you three main points in the psalm that I hope, by God's grace, will provide for us hope and comfort and refreshment for our souls as we see God as our great stronghold. So our first point this morning, if you're writing them down, truly trust in God as your refuge and strength. Truly trust in God as your refuge and strength. Look at verses one through three again. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, 
Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. You know, years ago, we could have started a look at this psalm with almost no comment on the first word. But today, we've got to be sure that we know what we mean when we say God. Sadly, the false teachings, the bad philosophies of the world around us have opened many minds to believe that anything can be said to be God. So before we begin, we have to understand that as we say God in this psalm, we're talking about the holy, triune God of the Bible. We're speaking of the creator of the universe who is revealed to us as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. God is perfect, almighty, all-present, all-knowing, just, merciful, and beyond us, and near to us, and infinite in all his perfections. God is the ultimate delight of the human soul. And if we're not careful to understand that the God we're talking about in this psalm is the God revealed in Holy Scripture, we're going to miss the entire point of the entire text. So the psalm opens with a statement here of great confidence. God is our refuge and strength. God is, he's our safe place to hide. I don't know if you guys have ever lived near a place where they had a wildlife refuge. We had some where I grew up. And so when I hear the word refuge, I think of a place not far from where I grew up. These were lands where hunting wasn't allowed and animals could, could make their homes there and they were safe. And it was amazing because those animals that lived in the refuge, they knew they were safe. The animals, they weren't as afraid of people as animals in, out in the forest, out in the woods around our houses. Well, the Bible tells us that God, like a refuge, he's a safe place for us. God is also our strength. God is the one who keeps us going. God's the one who empowers us for life. And you need to recognize from this first verse, this is our God. Notice the word our there. If you believe that God is a refuge, but you don't know God as your refuge, you have no reason for confidence. If you see God as strong or as having great strength, but not as your strength, you have no strength. God is who he is with or without you, but you are nothing without God. In God, we have refuge. In God, we have strength. And the psalmist recognizes God's presence here. It says he is ever present, especially in times of trouble. Psalm 139 shows us God's universal presence as well. I'm going to read to you verses 7 through 10, which say, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God's always present, guys, because he's everywhere. Whether you fly to heaven, descend to hell, head east, west, north, or south, whether you run at light speed or whether you hide on a remote ocean island, God is there. And the presence of God being talked about here is as true of your geographical location as it is of your life's circumstances. Are you going through good times? Great. God's there. Are you healthy? God's there. Are you struggling financially? God's with you. Is your health failing? God's still present with you. Is your world turned upside down by some virus? 
God is right here with you. If you know God, you can know that God is with you in all of your troubles and is with you in all of your joys. So do you know God? Do you believe God's presence is with you? Do you truly trust God as your refuge and strength? And if you do, you're going to trust him in all your circumstances, even the crazy ones like we've been through this week. Look at the psalmist's words in verses 2 and 3. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. We have a therefore here. And what is a therefore? It's a cause word. We have to ask a question when we see a therefore. Russ, what do we ask when we hear see a therefore? What's the therefore? What's the therefore therefore? therefore. <laughs> right? Because God is our refuge and strength, because he is ever present, because of all that, we will not fear. We will not fear if the earth shakes. We will not fear if the mountains crumble. Even if the mountains, and you guys know what mountains look like around here, if those mountains were to crumble, blow away, and be blown into the heart of the sea, we would not be afraid, is what the psalmist says. We will not fear if the oceans roar. We will not fear any disaster. Why not? Because God is with us. He is our refuge and strength. His presence gives confidence. His promises give us courage. Under his wings, we find shelter like a baby bird under its mother's protection. In God's right hand, we have sustaining strength. And the word selah calls you you to stop. It's at an end, this little section of this song. Again, psalms are worship songs. Remember that. And likely at a selah, maybe people were called to pause and to reflect. Maybe, Maybe there was a musical interlude that would play so you could think a little bit about what you had just sung. But mark what we've heard, and you ask yourself, is it true of me? For most of you, I think you're going to say yes. You're probably talking to your computers at home saying, yep, it's true for me. Yes, I trust God as my refuge and strength. But is that really true of you? Remember, the point is truly trust Him. What reveals whether or not your trust in God is true? Practice proves trust. It's when you pass through the fire or when you walk through the valley or when the rains come or when winter hits, whatever you want to call it, the truth of your trust is revealed by how you respond to difficult circumstances. Listen to the words from John Calvin about this. He says, quote, It is an easy matter to manifest the appearance of great confidence so long as we're not placed in imminent danger. But if in the midst of a general crash of the whole world, our minds continue undisturbed and free of trouble, this is an evident proof that we attribute to the power of God the honor which belongs to him. You know, many Christians would say we would be willing to die for our faith. But the question is, do our lives actually reveal that to be true? What about when a family member gets sick? Do we trust God? What about when you lose your job? Do you trust God? How about if you get a frightening test result from the doctor or when the car is making a crazy sound or when a bill is due that you don't know how you're going to pay or when a 
teenager hasn't come home yet and it's one in the morning. Or when some new virus has captured social media and the news channels. Does your trust in God show then? Can you relax in those circumstances? Can you still rest in God as your refuge and strength? Or when life gets hard, does the situation eat you up from the inside? Do you turn to your own power? Do you freak out if you're not the one in control? Or do you trust God and press on and do what must be done? Now, again, I'm not saying that we don't do everything we can to take wise precautions. You've seen us counsel you as a church for that even in this time. Take, take the needed measures for you and your family to be healthy. But if you can't proceed in life with confidence, worshiping God and obeying God with joy, you need to check your actual trust of the Lord. The psalmist says he's going to trust God even if the earth falls apart, even if the mountains fall down, even if the seas rise up. Guys, that's real trust. It's revealed through a test of fire. So if you have a true trust in God as your refuge and your strength, then thank God. Thank God for leading you to that kind of trust. You didn't build it on your own. It's God who works in us to think and to act as God desires. Give God glory for the trust God has built in you. But if your trust is weak, seek Him. Read about God's power in the Scriptures. Talk to strong believers about God's mighty provision. Look back over your life. See how God has provided for you and your family in the past. And yeah, pray. Pray that God will give you the trust in Him that you need. Pray that God will be your refuge and strength. Pray that God will change your heart. Friends, a lack of trust in God is a heart problem. It's a deep spiritual problem. You need the power of God to change it. So seek God. You want to reach out to one of the elders here in the church. Give us a call. Shoot us a text, an email, whatever. We'd be happy to pray with you. We'd be happy to help you walk more toward trust. And as God works through God's Spirit in His Word, in His church, begin to truly trust in God as your refuge and strength. Let's move on. Get a second point for this morning. Trust in God's faithfulness to His own name and His covenant people. Second point is trust in God's faithfulness to His own name and to His covenant people. Look at Psalm 46, verse 4 and following. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. So we're getting further into the song. We're singing of the faithfulness of the God that we all trust. We see an image here that people of the psalmist's day could have very easily imagined. He pictures a city. It's a good city. It's a walled city. It has a river running through it to provide water for the people. It has strong walls, a strong tower in its midst. But the city, as we study, 
looks like it's surrounded by enemies. Imagine watching from the wall at night and seeing a field around the city, enemy campfires winking in the darkness. How terrifying would that be to a person who realizes that all the land outside the city, all the land is covered with enemies. But the text says, though the night looks bleak, God is here. God's in the city. He's not absent from the city. He will help. When morning dawns, the power of the Lord is going to be plain. Look at the strength of God in verse 6. The nations rage The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. This is a picture of God routing an enemy army that was preparing to attack his city. Remember, this is a psalm. It it paints big poetical pictures, right? The enemies, they roar like the raging sea, like ocean waves battering a coastline, right? It seems like the enemies are everywhere and they just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And maybe the nations do come up against the city, but God is there. He's within the walls that we saw earlier. He speaks, and the enemies crumble like waves receding back into the ocean. He speaks, and the world itself melts away. Listen, if God has the power to speak and to create the earth out of nothing and the heavens out of nothing and the sun and the moon and stars and something mighty and glorious like the planet Jupiter out of nothing... God can surely speak and change the very substance of the world he created. No enemy, no enemy has the power to frighten or threaten God. But why does God do all this? Why does God protect the city? That's a good question. Look at verse 7. It says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. So the first line refers to God's might, the Lord of hosts. Whenever we sing the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, the Lord of hosts, that's what's meant by the line, Lord Sabaoth, his name. It literally means the Lord of hosts, his name. Some churches sing it that way and and sing the Lord of hosts, his name from age to age the same. But when you think of what is the Lord of hosts, I want you to think about the heavenly hosts. Again, The stars coming out at night. Think of what it looks like to see the stars appearing in the night sky, coming out, marching out like an army coming into view. God says, I'm the the God over all the heavenly armies. He's the God over all the angelic warriors. And God is himself infinitely more powerful than an infinite number of angels and heavenly hosts. There's no puny earthly army that could ever stand against God. But then the second line really gets my attention. He calls himself the God of Jacob who is with us. What's the title God of Jacob bring to our minds? It brings to our minds God's covenant relationship with Israel. From the beginning of the Bible's story, God has been promising that he would send somebody into the world to rescue his children and set right what went wrong in the garden when man first sinned. God said he would carry his promise of covenant blessing through the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That family was going to bear the line of this rescuer God was going to send. God established a unique relationship with the nation of Israel as that people through whom the promised rescuer would come. And remember, Israel is the name God gave Jacob. So calling God the God of Jacob is to call God the faithful promise maker and covenant keeper. 
it's right to expect that God would bless those with whom he has a covenant relationship. God will protect the city in which he's present. The people have hope and they have protection because God is faithful to protect his name and his covenant people. God's not going to let the ultimate promise that he's made fall to the hands of the wicked. Now, you might say, if you were raising an argument, and it's probably good that I can't hear you because you may have them, didn't God later let Jerusalem be overrun by the Babylonians? Yes, yes, he did. When the people who lived in Jerusalem were no longer people who lived according to the word of God, when they traded their faith for idolatry, when the trust of the people was in the temple instead of the God in whose honor the temple was built, God's presence departed from Jerusalem. You can look at Ezekiel chapters 8 through 10 for it. When God's name was no longer at stake in the city's preservation and when the people were clearly not people who trusted in the Lord, armies came in and they raised the city. In fact, Things happened there just as God promised they would happen in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Because part of the covenant God made with Israel was a promise that if they as a people disobeyed, they would fall to their enemies. But, but, in truth, God was still always present. And God was totally being faithful to his promise. And God never failed his people. Even in the midst of Israel's worst days, God never allowed the line of promise to be destroyed. Even if that nation suffered judgment, God always preserved enough of the people to preserve the line of promise that was held within that people. God never allowed any enemy nation nor any individual sin to keep him from being able to bring the Son of God into the world to be the one who would bring us forgiveness and eternal life. So, What's the lesson, Christians, for you and me? And I guess it really depends, first of all, I should say Christians, but are you in a covenant relationship with God or not? Are you a believer? Who is in covenant with God? It's not about the nation you come from. Paul said in Romans 9, verses 6 through 8, that not everyone, not all who are Israel are Israel. Instead, only the people who are under God's promise are the Israel of God. And today... Because of Jesus, because of the the scriptures, we know that having a covenant relationship with God, again, has nothing to do with your nationality, has nothing to do with your skin color, has nothing to do with how your life started, how rich or how poor you are. It has to do with this. Have you been given personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you received Jesus Christ's righteousness as a gift from God? Have you been brought by God into God's family? Have you been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus? It is about trusting in Jesus for your eternity and yielding to his right to be the master of your life. So do you want to be in a right relationship with God? Understand this. God is holy. God is perfect in every way. And all of us have rebelled against God by sinning. And we've all earned judgment from God. Believe that God sent Jesus, the promised Son of God, to live out the perfection that we've all failed to live out. Understand Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty for everyone God's ever going to forgive. And make a decision. Would you rather follow Jesus than be the one in control of your own life? Ask Jesus, please Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Be my Savior. 
Everyone who truly trusts in Jesus as they turn from their sins will be saved. If you want to know more about that, I urge you, reach out to me. Give me a call. Shoot me a note when we're all done here. Reach out to some of the other faithful church members. We would love to help you to know how to come to know Christ by grace through faith. Now, if you do have Christ, you are in covenant with God. And you can trust the covenant keeping God for your security. God says those who are in Christ have the Spirit of God living within them. We read that this morning. And just like the city in Psalm 46, if God lives in you, you cannot be shaken by any enemy. God will be faithful. God will not let you be lost. God will keep you for his own name's sake. He will protect his name and he will protect his covenant people. So we trust God. Not because we're good people, not because we're super special on our own, but because we're in relationship with him and he never forsakes his own. All right, last point. Hopefully you're all still hanging out with me here. Third point is trust in God's sovereign power. Trust in God's sovereign power. And we're going to see this in verses 8 through 11. It says, Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. So verses 8 and 9 tell us that the psalmist calls us to think about what God has done. Behold, he says, and I've, I've kind of smiled at that and said, that's kind of like a Hebrew, Hebrew of, hey, look, looky, take a peek at this. Notice the works of the Lord. And what has God done in the past? God has brought desolations. That is, God has used his power to leave things desolate and bring enemies to ruin. God has used his power to stop wars and this anywhere he chose to do so. Broken bow, broken spear, destroyed chariots, rendered useless the implements of war. How? How has God done this? Again, read the Old Testament, folks. God has used his power in so many ways to win and to stop battles. God swallowed up Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. God used bad dreams to frighten the Midianites so that Gideon could rout 135,000 with 300 troops. God has stopped armies by causing them to hear sounds and be afraid. God has confused enemy armies to make them attack each other instead of Israel. God made the sun stand still in the sky for Joshua and the army to win a victory. God has crushed enemy armies with hailstones from heaven. God wiped out 185,000 Assyrians with one angel. God has absolutely broken spears and bows whenever it suited his purpose. And the psalmist mentions this, and he wants us to see the awesome, sovereign hand of God at work. In the past, God has certainly shown his power. He is fully able to save. Then in verse 10, this is a real change in the psalm, because all of a sudden... You hear what is intended to be the voice of God. Kind of reminds me of the hymn, I love singing how firm a foundation. First verse, it's us singing 
How firm a foundation ye saints of the Lord are laid for your faith in his excellent word. But then the latter verses are written as if it were God giving us confidence. Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed. Well, here we hear the voice of God saying in verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now here's what's neat about that verse. I think God is speaking here both to the enemy and to the city. He's speaking to the evil and the good. If you're thinking about the enemy army hearing this, God says, be still. Stop fighting. Be still means cease striving, after all. And know that the Lord, he is God. You can't beat him. You can't stand against him. He's going to be exalted above all the nations. So stop fighting him. Matthew Henry says it this way, quote, Let his enemies be still and threaten no more, but know it to their terror that he is God, one infinitely above them, and that will certainly be too hard for them. Let them rage no more, for it is all in vain. He that sits in heaven laughs at them, and in spite of all their impotent malice against his name and honor, he will be exalted among the heathen and not merely among his own people. He will be exalted in the earth and not merely in the church. Let the world stop its attacks, for God will reign. He will be exalted over all the earth. But then, if you think about be still and know that I am God from the perspective of the people of God, the call to be still surely applies. Be still. Stop fighting your own battles. Stop clamoring in fear. Rest and know God. Don't just know about God. Know Him. Relate to Him. Trust in Him. And as you truly get to know Him, you will be able to trust Him more. Rest in God as your stronghold because you truly know that the Lord, He is God. And you can know God's name is going to be exalted over all the earth. How do you know it's true? Because God said so. And God is sovereign. God is going to make sure that His name is exalted in all nations, over all people groups. God has a passion for His name. God has a passion that his glory spread. And God will not let his name be mocked by the peoples of this globe forever. God is going to reach down into men's hearts. And God is going to take for himself a nation of believers from all peoples. Spurgeon wrote it this way, quote, Reader, the prospects of missions are bright. Bright as the promises of God, let no man's heart fail him. The solemn declarations of this verse must be fulfilled. I will be exalted in the earth among all people, whatever may have been their wickedness or their degradation, either by terror or by love. God will subdue all hearts to himself. The whole round earth will reflect the light of his majesty. All the more, because of the sin and obstinacy and pride of man, shall God be glorified when grace reigns unto eternal life in all corners of the world. Then, in verse 11, we see an exact copy 
of verse, um, what was it, verse 6 we saw earlier? Um, verse 7, I'm sorry. We see exact copy of verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. The Lord of hosts is with us. He's mighty, strong, a great warrior. He's also the God of Jacob, faithful to his covenant, faithful to his people. He will be faithful to his own name. And then we see Selah. Stop and think again. This God has shown his ability to stop any army ever assembled by men. So stop worrying. Stop striving in your own strength, be it a physical or a spiritual struggle. Stop and rest in your God, your great stronghold, your ever-present help in times of trouble. Trust him. He will be exalted. He is sovereign. None can stand against him. And so we can rest in him. So what's the overall point? God is our refuge and strength. He is worthy of our true trust. He will be faithful, and we trust in him in any, any trial. We trust him because he's faithful to his own covenant, to his name, to his people. We trust him because he is sovereign and mighty and powerful. We trust him because his Holy Spirit lives in us if we're his children. And Spurgeon said this when he was talking about the city, uh, that illustration of the of verses 4 and 5. Spurgeon says, quote, of the city, how can she be moved unless her enemies move her Lord also? His presence renders all hope of capturing and demolishing the city utterly ridiculous. The Lord is in the vessel and she cannot therefore be wrecked. And that's God talking about us too, guys. Is Christ present with you, the Spirit of God in you? then God will take care of you. Cease striving. Be still. Stop worrying. Stop stressing over life. Know that he is God. He is strong, faithful, and sovereign. Take comfort in him and let him refresh your eternal soul. Will you pray with me, friends? God, we're grateful again that we have the chance to gather. We're grateful that you are our mighty fortress. We're grateful that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, mighty and mighty to save, and we trust you. And God, where we don't trust you, where we let fear rattle us, where we let diseases and other things shake us, let us not, let us not be shaken. God bless your people. I do pray you keep our church safe and healthy. I pray you provide for our needs. I pray you guard over our city. I pray that you not let things spread to a way that causes major, major pain and loss of life. But I know this, God, you are sovereign. And even if I were to lose my life, you have not lost me. God, let us rest in you and trust in you. Lord, as we get ready to close here, we'll sing one more piece and be done. I pray for our church that we will love you deeply. I pray that you will make it possible sooner that we meet together in person. But so long as you have us apart, 
Help us to still stay connected, to still show each other love, to still lift each other up in prayer. God, there are many needs and many hurts in our body. I pray you be mighty, bringing physical healing to people needing a physical healing, bringing emotional heart comfort to those who need comfort. God, we are grateful to you. We trust you. We need your, you to keep us. But we are grateful that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is with us. Selah. Lord, we praise you in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen.